Hello, friends, and welcome back to the court of the Trashy Royals, our weekly exploration of the lives of our betters, who so often prove themselves to be our worst. <laughs> My name is Stacy. Hey, friends, Alicia here. We are continuing today through this one particular thread line, which we're going to end up with how we get to Henry VII and the beginning of the Tudor dynasty and Henry VII's very sketchy claim to fame. Sure. And the throne. And the and the throne, too. It is time to pick up the tapestry with the so-called father of Europe, the father of so many in his lifetime, and the progeny. Oh, the progeny. So much progeny. John of Gaunt. Slender man. No. John of Gaunt is called John of Gaunt not because of any sort of weight addition or subtraction, they were body shaming even then. John was born in Ghent. Okay. G-H-E-N-T. Netherlands, Belgium, that, sure. that sort of area. Okay. But no one in England can say Ghent, apparently, in the 14th century. So John is John of Gaunt, not Ghent, but you might see it both ways. John of Gaunt. We've talked about him in a few episodes, and the thing I need you to know is that John of Gaunt is the father of Europe. Everyone is somehow descended from old Johnny G. Dude only lived for 58 years, but John got around. Packed a lot of living into... A lot of living. Now, John of Gaunt is the son of King Edward III, Fast Eddie III. John of Gaunt is the brother to Edward the Black Prince. Okay. John of Gaunt is a prince always. He's the son of a king and a father of a king, but he's called the prince without a kingdom, hmm. right? He never gets to be king on his own, even though he was perfectly capable and probably should have. John has no kingdom for himself. It sounds like he was busy trying to manufacture one. Well, remember John is going to help out his nephew, Richard II, the son of Eddie the Black Prince, when he ascends the throne? You go to the first son. So John is the third surviving son. No joy. Gotcha. John will take three wives in his life, some more formally than others. And John will have 14 children. Wow. And the ones who live <laughs> make very prominent matches in their own right. And whoa, so much progeny. Let us anon to the trashy tale of John of Gaunt. Slender Man. Johnny G, John of Gaunt. He was born March 6th, 1340. His parents are Fast Eddie III and Philippa of Hainault. Okay. Now, by 1340, when little John of Gaunt comes into the world, Edward III, his father, had been on the throne for about 13 years. Johnny's three when the Hundred Years' War begins. Okay. So he, is... he does not live to see it end? <laughs> <laughs> no, he does not, but he fights in it a lot. Hundred Years' War... In a nutshell, back in 1337, the king of France dies. And Fast Eddie III is like, yes, I would like that country too. But Edward III's claim to the throne of France is through his mother, Isabella of mm -hmm. France. Mm -hmm. And the French do not recognize maternal claims. The English do. That okay. in a nutshell. It's a little bit more complicated than that, but... Edward would like to come rule France because his mother was of French royal descent. And the French are like, nah, man. Sorry. Not going to happen. We have rules. <laughs> Barely. We have cheese and wine, but there are just a few tiny, tiny rules. So here comes John. He's the third surviving son of the king and queen. But third surviving son. He's not the first son. That's Eddie, 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 the black prince who is being groomed to be king his whole entire life. But Eddie III believes that all of his sons have a place in this world. They're all going to do important things. And remember, there's all kinds of French territories and English territories that they can rule over. Eddie's not slacking on his duties to his sons. So little Johnny 
Gaunt, Johnny G, at the tender age of eight, is sent to Edward the Black Prince's household. Eddie is about 10 years older. And here, little John is the right-hand man to his big brother for a while, kind of watching how it's all done, how to run a household, how to be on campaign. And John of Gaunt is really loyal to his brother, Eddie the Black Prince. We're going to see a repetition of this theme coming up with Edward IV and Richard III a little further down the line. But brotherly love here is a thing. So little John, he's learning things, watching from his big brother, and Dad Eddie III is watching out for him, making sure John has a place in the world. John was almost appointed King of Scotland Hmm. at the age of 17, but that didn't quite work out. (laughs) Tough times for him. (laughs) Tough times. Well, it's not so tough. When John is 19, John is going to take his first wife. This is Blanche of Lancaster. Helpfully... Blanche of Lancaster is the great-great-granddaughter of Henry III, making John of Gaunt and Blanche of Lancaster third cousins, which is awesome. But remember Blanche of Lancaster, she comes with of Lancaster, which is a pretty good-sized chunk of wealth. Blanche is the daughter of the first Duke of Lancaster, and for real, Eddie III is ensuring that his sons are aligned with prominent women who hold lands and wealth. And remember, important to know, Eddie and Philippa want their children to marry well. Remember that fit over Eddie the Black Prince and Joan of Kent? Right. Okay. So John of Gaunt and... So they can pronounce Kent, but not Ghent? (laughs) Apparently. Very confusing. (laughs) So John and Blanche, Mazel, they marry in 1359. Blanche is a little younger and... That's okay. They're united. Helpfully, two years later, this is one of the reasons that Blanche of Lancaster is so attractive as a bride. Two years later, after they marry, Blanche's father, with no male heirs, dies. And Blanche, being married to the prince of the realm, John of Gaunt is going to take all that rich Lancaster stuff with the title being recreated for him as the Earl of Lancaster. John is going to get a bunch of other Earl titles, too, in due time. He'll be the Earl of Derby, the Earl of Lincoln, the Earl of Leicester. A lot of Earls. Same guy. Okay. Now, Blanche of Lancaster and old Johnny G, they're going to have a number of kids, which is kind of impressive for poor Blanche, who dies at the age of 26, nine years after they get married in 1368. So Blanche married nine years. Seven kids. Oh, my God. I mean, does she die in childbirth? She does not. She Hmm. dies of the Black Plague. Oh. (laughs) This is rough times. 14th century. Not fun. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's run down the progeny of John of Gaunt and Blanche of Lancaster. First up, Philippa of Lancaster. She's the eldest daughter. Philippa of Lancaster will go on to marry John I of Portugal. Cool. A son comes along who will die in infancy. This will happen with three other children as well. So out of seven children, four die very young for poor Blanche of Lancaster. It's a little sad. So we have Philippa surviving. Next up is Elizabeth of Lancaster. She'll marry three times, but holy catch, you ready? Probably the most interesting and connected of these marriages for our purposes is Elizabeth of Lancaster's second marriage to John Holland, whose mother is Joan of Kent Hmm. from that first and favorite marriage with Tommy Holland. Sure. Mm -hmm. Who she was buried beside. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. Last up for John of Gaunt and Blanche is going to be future king Henry of Lancaster. That's what he's known as before he becomes Henry IV. John of Gaunt's son Henry is going to be the one to take over... Richard II, his cousins, claim to the throne in 1399, but we're not quite there yet. So, John and Blanche, three kids. After being married nine years, Blanche dies. Black death. It's sad. Now, in the meantime, right, there are battles and campaigns and day-to-day things and living and dying, all that kind of stuff. John of Gaunt is waging 
war for his father in the Hundred Years' War that has now been going on since he was mm-hmm. three. negative three years oh, old. Negative three, right? okay, sure. Okay. Blanche passes away, 1368. 1371, John's going to marry again, this time to Infanta Constance of Castile. Sometimes you'll see her as Constanza as well. She is the daughter of the King of Castile, which, hey... If Blanche of Lancaster, the of Lancaster, gave John of Gaunt access to all of the of Lancaster, daughter of the King of Castile. Soap dynasty. (laughs) This, John thinks, is going to give him a claim to be the King of Castile, which Mm -hmm. is not terrible. John and Constance, I'm just going to call her Connie. We're going to have a lot of names in this, so I want to distinguish. So John and Connie have a daughter, Catherine. She marries well, too. There's all kinds of family ties in this one. Connie's sister, Isabella of Castile, will actually marry Edmund of Langley. This is the younger brother of John of Gaunt, and it's Edmund of Langley's line that rises up the York side of the War of the Roses, just like John rises Mm. up the Lancasters. Is it making sense so far? Because we're about to get super (laughs) trashy. Okay, great. Awesome. Thing I need you to know is Johnny and Connie are married until her death in 1394. It's like 23 years. And this story is something I need you to know. It is a political marriage. The of Castile is the most attractive part of Connie. But John has another lady that he fancies that is not Connie. And sometime between Blanche's death and the time... John's mistress's son is born four years later. John of Gaunt is going to hook up with Catherine Swinford. They begin an extramarital love affair, and this is where the problems begin. Problems, challenges, complications, I'll let you decide. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So Catherine Swinford, what a story. She is slung up in all of this. And although it is the Catherine Swinford line that gives half of Henry VII's claim to the throne, Catherine's spiderwebs are glorious. And while a whole lot comes from her illegitimate line of kids with John of Gaunt, although Catherine and John of Gaunt, spoilers, get married much later (laughs) after all those kids are grown. I mean, all's well that ends well. I Okay. To end up with you, I don't know. Let's see if we can take this down bit by bit. So Catherine Swinford is born in 1349, 1350. Sure. Catherine Swinford is a girl. She's born in Hanault. Hanault's a big deal. Sure. Hanault is going to continue to be a big deal in the 14th century. We think that Catherine Swinford was born on November 25th which is the Catholic feast day of St. Catherine of Alexandra. Normally, the day you were born, you would be named in honor of your saint who is being feasted that day. A lot of naming that way. Mm -hmm. Little Kathy, her dad is a knight in the Hanulshan army. And dad has a really good relationship with this one particular noblewoman, Philippa of Hanult, who will go on to marry... Edward III and become Queen of England, right? Catherine's father, before Catherine's born, moves between continents for decades. He's working for Philippa, but he's over in Hinault. He's traveling the continents. He's going to Europe. He's kind of back and forth, which will be helpful to his daughter, Catherine, and his other kids, too. When Kathy's about two, her family's going to move to England for real. Kathy's the youngest of all the siblings. And dad, at this point, when Kathy is about two, just is removed from the historical record. Hmm. So died in battle, died of something, right? Dad goes away and Kathy's mom isn't there. 
So Kathy and her sister at this point go to a convent for a little while and then are helpfully folded into the trashy court of Edward III and Philippa of Hainault. Okay. Philippa of Hainault perhaps is a favor to her friend. Yeah, doing doing a solid for, yeah. Yeah, homeland all those years ago. Kathy's older sister, Philippa, (laughs) will be a lady-in-waiting to Queen Philippa. Handy there. Probably Philippa was named after Philippa. You get how it all kind of goes together. And then, are you ready? Hold on. I want you to keep your Philippa straight. So there's Queen Philippa of Hinault, who's mm-hmm. married to Eddie III. Catherine Swinford has an older sister, Philippa, who is a lady-in-waiting to the queen. Probably known as Pippi or something. Mm-hmm. We should probably give her a name. We'll call Kathy's sister Pippi. That's okay. great. Pippi is going to go on to make a marriage. You ready for this history? I'm so glad you're sitting down. Pippa marries Geoffrey Chaucer. Oh, the the writer, Mm-hmm. So, so Pippi and Jeffrey. Yes. Isn't that amazing? So, holy cats. They how, don't... how do you, in this time period, how do you, I guess you don't have a, her father to worry about, but yeah, how would you like, I write novels, sir. Okay, so I know you love A Knight's, a Knight's Tale. Tale. And you think that Edward the Black Prince is the supporter of Chaucer, but in fact, no, it is John of Gaunt. Jeffrey Chaucer. And Pippa, Catherine Swinford's sister. Like, I just want you to realize how connected it is. They have a terrible marriage. They're not at all happy. But Geoffrey Chaucer, throughout his life, is going to be supported under the patronage of John of Gaunt. Okay. Because of all of these connections. And Catherine Swinford, but okay. Here in the court of Edward III and Philippa, Kathy Swinford is going to meet... Blanche of Lancaster. Very early. Johnny G's wife. Long before she marries Johnny G. Okay. Kathy and Blanche are BFFs. Okay. They grow up together at court. They share secrets. They listen to Taylor Swift songs. Sure. They make friendship bracelets. Mm-hmm. They're really good friends. Braiding each other's hair. Exactly. Okay. Long before Blanche marries John. Catherine Swinford does have a first marriage. She's really young here. This is in the 1360s. This marriage is to Hugh Swinford, and he's not quite as worthy as the pretty and fair Catherine. Hugh's estate isn't all that great. It's in the floodplains. <laughs> like, Hugh isn't all that much of a catch, but he's a pretty good fighter. And Hugh, by the time Kathy marries him, is in the service of John of Gaunt and Blanche of Lancaster who have gotten married, and John of Gaunt and Hugh Swinford are away a lot in battle together. Remember, we're in year 30 of the Hundred Years' War, so John, Hugh Swinford, they're out doing battles, Mm -hmm. leaving Catherine Swinford with Blanche of Lancaster at court. All their dreams are coming true. This is like their BFFs. Mm -hmm. Everything's great. Kathy and Hugh Swinford have three kids. Blanche of Lancaster at this point is the Duchess of Lancaster. She and John are the largest landowners in England. Catherine Swinford is serving in her retinue. Kathy is nanny to Blanche's kids. All this Philippa and Henry and Elizabeth and all the babies dying. And yeah, okay. Kathy's kids and Blanche's kids are all raised together. They live together in the same rooms. They're educated by the same tutors. It is, they are definitely aligned. So everybody here is super close. Kathy, Blanche, at court, Mm -hmm. raising kids together, BFFs, their dreams are coming true. John of Gaunt, Hugh Swinford, out in battle, 100 years war, everything's great. Uh, Philippa, Pippi, Chaucer is still around too. She's Mm. serving in Blanche's court. And the probably Duchess. has to earn some coin because that <laughs> novelist. Well, Geoffrey Chaucer's there too. Again, John of Gaunt is going to become Geoffrey Chaucer's patron. Chaucer's The Book of the Duchess is for Blanche of Lancaster. Okay. Okay. Remember 1368, Blanche dies of the Black Death. Oh no. And John of Gaunt is off fighting. And here's Kathy Swinford tending to Blanche through her dying days. Kathy's going to find a priest to get Blanche's last confession, deathbed rites, and all that good stuff, which is a big deal at the time if you want to get into heaven. 
John of Gaunt, super grateful for all of Kathy's help to his beloved wife. At this point, John of Gaunt is going to give Kathy some cash and the payments begin. Catherine will also get her own coat of arms at this point, but the Duchess is dead. So Kathy and her kids are now moving out of the Duchess's court and back to the floodlands of Hugh Swinford and Kettlethorpe. <laughs> Kettlethorpe? Kettlethorpe. It sounds inviting. Now, remember, 1371, just a few years after Blanche's death, Johnny is going to remarry Connie. He's 31, she's 17, and this is an alliance purely for political purposes. It is a terrible marriage. John wants to be king of Castile. It's, it's a way to get his own kingdom, mm-hmm. but he's never going to get the Castilian kingship either. Like, it's all for naught. 1371 was a big year. Guess what else happens in 1371? Does Hugh Swinford die? You bet your tail he yes. does. Maybe of dysentery. Maybe he's murdered by John of Gaunt so John of Gaunt could get to Kathy Swinford. The historical record is unclear, but at the end of the day, Hugh Swinford is dead. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, No more hugs from him. And here he is leaving an early 20-something Kathy Swinford. Beautiful. Little widow, three children. Kathy, single and ready to mingle. And and there's Uncle Johnny, you know, ready to check in on those kids, all that. So it turns out, once Hugh Swinford dies in no time at all, Kathy is recalled back to John of Gaunt's household. Because, holy cats, I'm just a single dad, Mm -hmm. and I need you here. Maybe you did such a good job watching my kids before. Maybe you come back and, like, help me out with my kids. Yeah, and I've been Uncle Johnny to your kids this whole time, so, like, what's the problem? Yeah, you can bring your kids back, too. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. They do miss their sort of cousins. So maybe this is just a helpful, kind gesture to his beloved wife's best friend. Or perhaps... John of Gaunt has the hots for Kathy Swinford. So in 1372, there's some more payments that come along to old Kathy. And kind of an interesting part of the historical record, because it's the 14th century. There's not a lot that survives, but one thing that does survive are all these payments made to Catherine Swinford, where you will find there's a payment. And like, hmm, nine months later, Hmm. along comes a child for Kathy. And does anyone notice that the unmarried, not unmarried, but the widowed Kathy is... Oh, people notice. Okay. (laughs) Oh, people notice. It's hard. I mean, even with corsets, it's hard to keep a pregnancy down for long. Wearing bulky sweaters all the time. All the time. So John of Gaunt and Catherine Swinford have four kids together throughout their long-term love affair. The four kids happen in pretty quick succession, though. They're all in six years, although... John and Kathy are going to be attached for years and years and years. These four kids are known in history as the Beauforts. This is also another part of the Henry VII claim to the throne Mm -hmm. through his mother, Margaret Beaufort, a few generations down the line. What I need you to know, all of these births, John of Gaunt is married to Connie. Johnny and Connie are married. Kathy is the mistress. Johnny and Kathy, four kids. First up, 1373, John Beaufort. This is the ancestor of Margaret Beaufort, a few generations down. Fun fact, John Beaufort marries a granddaughter of Joan of Kent through that first and favorite marriage to Tommy Holland. Next up for the kids of Johnny and Kathy, we have Henry. Henry will go on to be a cardinal in the church. We have Thomas. John Beaufort's important first, first and last, really. The sandwich of kids are important here because in 1379 comes along Joan Beaufort. And this is where it gets really, really twisty. So hold on to your pants. Joan will marry twice. The second of those marriages is to Ralph Neville, Earl of Westmoreland. And Ralph Neville, that guy, really gets around. Between his two wives, he has... Not a dozen, but two dozen, 26 kids. Let me rephrase that. Ralph Neville does not have 26 kids. He is the father of 26 kids, his poor two wives. That's all I'm saying. That's a baker's dozen each. 
14 of them, Baker's Dozen Plus, oh. are with Joan Beaufort. Okay. Why on earth does this matter? Plant a little seed here. One of those kids between Ralph Neville and Joan Beaufort is future Trashy Royals profile, Cecily Neville. Cecily Neville is the mother to King Edward IV and King Richard III. The York contingent of the War of the Roses, right? It, it's This is how all connected it is. From the Lancaster line, we follow along to the Yorks, and it all gets really complicated in about 100 years. Just you wait. Okay, let's all connect it back to this time period. Johnny and Kathy having a bunch of illegitimate kids. Johnny's married to Connie. This is all taking place through the 1370s. It's weird that in Castile they weren't like, that's the guy we want. Yeah, it doesn't go great for Johnny and Castile. Faithful husband of our dear, dear Connie. 1376. Let's just benchmark here. Remember, Edward the Black Prince dies. And where Eddie the Black Prince has been set up to be king-in-waiting, he's been kind of the complaint department for the country for a long time. Now that Eddie the Black Prince is out, John of Gaunt, who is the next, like, most capable son, takes over Eddie's position in the complaint department and battles and war. And poor Johnny, right? We have been fighting with France since before I was born already. And there's a bunch of shady things happening at court, too, where they're trying to get the mistress of King Edward III slung up on charge. Like, there's a lot happening in poor Johnny's world. But then, da-da-da, the next year, 1377, Fast Eddie III dies. The king is dead, long live the king. Here comes up 10-year-old Richard II. John of Gaunt, his uncle, will serve as his regent. And gets a little power, maybe. Gets a little power hungry. Johnny kind of feeling his britches and pretends like he's not married somehow to Connie and decides to go public with his grand love affair to Kathy Swinford. Again, can't understand why Castile didn't just embrace him. Yeah, right? So Johnny's gone public with all this Kathy news mm -hmm. and you think uh, things cause a scandal today. Whoa, 14th century. This is hot goss. Now, Connie of Castile, doesn't really like being married to John of Gaunt. It's not a it's marriage anyway. hard to imagine why. Connie is not going to stand up for her husband. She's not mad at all when all of this terrible PR uh, branding comes on Kathy Swinford. The public becomes very sympathetic to Connie of Castile and instead turning their ire and anger on Catherine Swinford. Sure, homewrecker. Uh, homewrecker, gold digger. Look at her background. She's raised his kids. She was at his wedding. She was best friends with his first wife. Like, you see how terrible this all mm -hmm. sounds for poor Catherine Swinford. Sure. And obviously, no one's going to blame John of Gaunt. No! <laughs> it's not a good time for Kathy. Like, all the... Poop is rolling with the force of gravity downhill, and she's at the bottom of that hill. So she can't leave her door. She's publicly called out. She's harassed. Super unpopular. Her reputation is going down. You must like me for me because I got no reputation. That's bad enough. And no one's coming after Johnny G, right? So Johnny G's going to go one step further. This is when he decides to raise taxes in order to pay. For the Hundred Years' War, which begins, always a good time in England, a peasant's revolt, mm -hmm. which takes over the country for a while. Again, not the focus. I'm trying to push to the important bits here because we're talking about John of Gaunt. All right. During this time, John of Gaunt has to repute. It gets so hot. It gets so heated. It gets so dangerous for John of Gaunt that he has to repudiate his relationship with Kathy. Y'all, nothing's happening. Sure. We're done. We're done and over. Please quit talking about us. Please quit talking about her. Sure. It's a Catholic country at the time, too. I'm sure. I'm sure. Lead balloon is the term coming to mind. Sure. They're done. Mm -hmm. However, helpfully for Kathy, she can keep all of those cash payments and her coat of arms, and she'll buy a home of her own. She's out of Kettlethorpe now. And Johnny and Kathy are no longer in a relationship. They're done. Are they actually done or are they for all public purposes done? They're done 
for real, and for all public purposes done, although Johnny will continue to support her and the children financially. Sounds like they're just on a break. Johnny will continue to support Pippa and Jeffrey Chaucer Mm. as well. No one's mad. At this point, they dissolve their relationship because everyone wants to stay alive. Okay. That's how much heat the Peasants' Revolt and the slander of Kathy has culminated in, fine, our relationship isn't worth this. Right. We're on a break forever. But not. But not. Catherine has bought her own house. She's going to lay low. She just wants the heat off her. And John of Gaunt at this point is going to decide to claim his kingdom of Castile. So he's going to head on over to Castile, and that doesn't work. But during this time, Kathy Swinford heads on back to court. Who's at court right now? Richard II, young Richard. And Catherine Swinford is charming. She's been raising kids forever Mm -hmm. and ever. She knows how to talk to a kid. And so she makes friends with the king, teenage king. Yeah, the boy king. kind of a pompous ass, Richard II. Richard II will make Kathy Swinford a lady of the garter. She's redeeming herself somewhat in court. Even though she was a mistress, she is honored. And things are going pretty good for Kathy for a minute until, da, 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 John of Gaunt comes back Uh. right on time. So her image rehab was going so well, but... Yeah. And Richard II is a teenager, and he is growing day by day into a terrible ruler. And at this point, John's oldest son, Henry, from Blanche of Lancaster, begins to push back. Henry, Richard's cousin, sees that his idiot cousin, Richard II, is ruining everything. And there are seeds here, friends, like brothers to cousins. It really is all connected. But there's already a shakeup happening with Henry and Richard teenagers who were like, oh, like you can see it's West Side Story, right? You can see the trouble brewing. But Johnny G comes back. Kathy, who's redeemed herself? Nope. Turns out we were just on a break. <laughs> so John and Kathy are going to resume their relationship. Now, this is where it gets a little murky. Maybe they reconnect as lovers, or maybe they decide to connect at this point to work together to ally up to settle their kids for excellent marriages, excellent ends. How can we preserve the rights, the lands, the marriage futures of our kids so that they go on? This is 1389 or so. At this point, The four children that Johnny and Kathy have had are not legitimate. They've never been married. Not legitimate kids. But at this point, provisions are made that all those children will be provided for. They'll have some land, some money. There's no financial insecurity for those children, even though they're illegitimate. That's great. That's good news. So let's pass along to about 1394. Because remember, John of Gaunt is still married to Connie of Castile. 1394, guess what? Connie, out, (laughs) dies. And now, John of Gaunt and Catherine Swinford have the chance to actually make their union legitimate and all those kids legitimate too, even though it is 25 years Mm -hmm. after they hooked up and had all those kids. Sure. It's weird, laws, and how they work. Better late than never, as the Catholic Church says. John and Kathy lay low for a minute because we need to wait for, like, Constance's body to cool, like, a year grieving. Yeah, So, Johnny, Kathy, they're discreet. They wait it out. But it is in January 1396. Finally, Johnny and Kathy unite in marriage. And Catherine Swinford is now the Duchess of Lancaster. And she has been redeemed at court for a little while. But this new marriage, like, it's definitely talked about. Like, what? Uh-huh. This 25 years ago, like, what, mm-hmm. what are y'all doing? Now, Richard II is in his 20s at this point, And he approves. You can't get married without the king's permission. It's essential. So now. 
John of Gaunt, Catherine Swinford are in a legally binding marriage. Richard II and the Pope get involved to do some more finagling Mm -hmm. to ensure that all of those Beaufort children, the three sons and the one daughter, who were illegitimate, are now all, huzzah, legitimate in the eyes of the church and England. Mm -hmm. What does this mean? They can receive lands and titles and all of the privileges of the royal court in a way they had not been allowed to before. But, 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 there is one condition. There is a little bit of a catch. And this is the crux of it all. And the thing that causes every bit of future drama that's coming. All right, Beaufort kids, we'll make you legitimate. You can have lands and titles, whatever you want. Have a feast day at court, but you Beaufort kids can never, ever, ever claim the English line of succession. And this is an act of parliament, right? Like this, this was the law in England. This was Richard's law and the Pope's law. Yeah, mm-hmm. you guys, it, it's by law. Beauforts cannot assume the throne of England. Enjoy all the royal perks you want, yep. but none of you or your descendants can sit on the throne, no diggity, not going to happen. So what happens? Well, because, <laughs> right, we've got the Lancasters and the Yorks already, their future battle is in play. It's right. coming. The battle's been brewing for a long time. And both the Yorks and the Lancaster kids are like, we're not going to let our yeah. Uncle John of Gaunt's 20-something-plus-year affair yeah. interfere with our plans of war and hate that we've been brewing for a while. Yeah, we don't need these third-party interlopers coming in to get in the way of our tough battle. No, like, whatever the paperwork says, those kids have got nothing to do with our claim and what's ours through our grandfather, Eddie Third and all the kings before him. And we're going to battle for ourselves. Let's just leave those Beauforts out of it. All right, Catherine Swinford, big doings here. Catherine Swinford will be in the retinue to escort the future wife of Richard II to England. This is mid-1390s. Now, this is creepy, and this is a marriage for political purposes. So when I tell you this bride's age, I don't want you to faint. Isabella of Valois, (laughs) at the age of six years old, Mm. is coming to... England to be queen of England to marry Richard II, who is in his mid-20s, and Catherine Swinford, really good with kids, bring in the child over Isabella of Valois. It probably is worth stating that the custom at the time was there there was an age at which a girl was like the the marriage could be consummated six years old ain't it so no 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 so for the record it's not like richard ii was going to bed his new wife no, at the, the next sentence naturally this relationship was not consummated gotcha okay no this just, is just to clarify this is baby girl hands need baby ring fingers for the advantage mm-hmm. and power of men absolutely so isabella valois child queen Reigns as child queen of England until she's about 10. So she's four years. That's it. Six to 10. Because in 1399, her husband, (laughs) Richard II, is deposed. Done. Out. And Mm -hmm. Henry IV takes over, right? But here's what I want to mention. I'm mentioning this here as Isabella's sister, Catherine of Valois, is coming up for us in a hot minute and this continuing saga of how it all connects together. Catherine of Valois is the sister of Isabella and future wife of Henry V and Owen Tudor, hmm. which adds a whole nother layer of complication into this weird family tree of Tudor legitimacy. It does. Put a pin in all of that. That's coming. We're here for John of Gaunt. Bless <laughs> him. All right. So John of Gaunt lives to February of 1399. He will pass away at the age of 58, perhaps with some kind of venereal disease. He was sick for a while. Wherever could that have come from? (laughs) John was sick for a while before he died. Like, there's no big surprise that, Mm -hmm. oh, no, John is dead. We all know John is dying long before John dies. February 1399, though, John, out of here. The rest of 1399 is a pretty rocky road. Catherine Swinford, you think she's going to be provided for. Remember all those agreements with Richard and the Pope? 
Nah, she gets screwed. She loses all of the lands and wealth. The very thing that Richard II said wasn't going to happen totally happens. So those agreements do not save her. Agreements don't matter. And all of her kids lose what they had gained in that. And John of Gaunt's son, Henry, by Blanche of Lancaster, Mm -hmm. is now really going to get screwed too by Richard II. Because now that John of Gaunt isn't around to manage Richard II... Of course, Richard II is going to go after Henry's stuff. Right, his rival, yeah. Yeah. Only for Henry of Lancaster to rise up and become the next king of England, deposing his cousin Richard II. Henry of Lancaster becomes Henry IV, and welcome to the Lancastrian administration beginning in 1399. Again, John of Gaunt, not the power for himself. Although he did wield quite a bit of power in his lifetime, But not a king, son of a king, father of a king, but never gets to be the king. Slightly messy personal life. (laughs) But there's so much of it that connects because we're now just getting to the part of the story that I want to tell you. Because remember, we started with progeny, progeny, progeny. Who descends from John of Gaunt? Who are we talking about here? There are many, many famous, well-known, lots of legendary folks that come from the progeny of John of Gaunt. Let's take a quick gander at the progeny of the progeny, so to speak. (laughs) When I say John of Gaunt is the father of Europe, not kidding. Third great-grandson, King Henry VIII. Fourth great-granddaughter, Queen Elizabeth I. Catherine Parr, the sixth wife of Henry VIII, is the fourth great-granddaughter of John of Gaunt. Holy Roman Emperor Charles V is also the fourth great-grandson of John of Gaunt. Mary Stuart, Queen of Scots, Mm -hmm. fifth great-granddaughter of Johnny G. This is actually kind of a nice twist. Let's talk about John of Gaunt's uh, other particular influences here from before him, because it doesn't just start with John of Gaunt. John of Gaunt's great-grandfather is King Edward I of England. His second great-grandfather, King Henry III of England. His seventh great-grandfather, William the Conqueror. His other seventh great-grandfather is King Louis VI. So, it doesn't begin with Johnny. Right. I just, we're going from here. He's a good nexus point. Ne- he is the <laughs> nexus point. The Lieutenant Governor of Virginia, Alexander Spotswood, is John of Gaunt's eighth great-grandson. The British commander at the Battle of Lexington, Major John Pickern, is the ninth great-grandson. Patrick Henry, the first and sixth governor of Virginia, ninth (laughs) great-grandson. Now, this is all pretty exciting, but when we get into 10, 11, 12, and beyond, let's go ahead and talk about the 10th great-grandsons of John of Gaunt. The fourth United States vice president, George Clinton. Daniel Carroll, signer of the U.S. Constitution. John Carroll, the founder of Georgetown University. When we get into the 11th great-grandson framework, George Washington, our (laughs) first United States president. Sure. Thomas Jefferson, Mm -hmm. our third United States president. Thomas Nelson, he signed the Declaration of Independence. Bathsheba Ruggles Spooner, she is the 11th great-granddaughter of John of Gaunt. We're still in the 11th generation Bathsheba was the first woman executed for murder in the United States by the non-British government. All right. Claim to fame. (laughs) John Langdon and DeWitt Clinton. John Langdon, signer of the U.S. Constitution. DeWitt Clinton, sixth governor of New York. Those are the 11th. Let's get to 12. The 12th generation of John of Gaunt includes Abigail Adams, wife of John Adams, King Robert I, who was the King of France. Henry Lee III, the ninth governor of Virginia. Huh? We know about this guy in the southern United States. General Robert E. Lee. Meriwether Lewis of the Lewis and Clark Expedition. Uh, the wife of President Franklin Pierce, Jane Appleton Pierce. She's in that 12th generation. Fletcher Christian, the leader of the Mutiny on the Bounty. He's there too. Robert Treat Payne, signer of the Declaration. 
Thomas Gilman, another signer of the Declaration, first governor of Louisiana, William C.C. Claiborne, Lieutenant General James Brundell. He was the leader of the Charge of the Light Brigade. Mm, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, we're still on the 12th. You're going to love these. Your favorite guy, John Marshall, <laughs> the fourth Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court, the 10th Governor of Tennessee, James C. Jones, and John Taylor Gilman, the 5th Governor of New Hampshire. Oh, sorry. One more. Lord Charles Cornwallis. Hmm. The British commander at the He's siege of Yorktown. Surrendered, yeah. Twelfth great-grandson of John of Gaunt. Wait, so grandsons of, or whatever, like descendants of John of Gaunt both won and lost at Yorktown? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> That's amazing. Let's get to 13th generation. Good Lord. In the line of 13, John Quincy Adams, the sixth United States president. Alexander Hamilton, mm-hmm. first United States Secretary of the Treasury. Mm-hmm. Zachary Taylor, our 12th U.S. President. Helen Keller, activist and author. Interesting. Noel Coward. Wow. Playwright, actor, songwriter. Charles Darwin. Lighton Strachey, author and founder of the Bloomsbury Group. Sir Oliver Wendell Holmes, American fireside poet. Fitzhugh Lee, the 40th Governor of Virginia. 13th great-grandson, Lewis Carroll, the author of Alice in Wonderland, John Tory, the co-founder of the New York Academy of Science, Theodore Roosevelt, (laughs) moves us into the 14th generation, 14th great-grandson. Also related in that 14th generation, Edith Bowling Wilson, the first lady of President Woodrow Wilson, John Brown, American abolitionist, William Marsh Rice, the founder of Rice University. Oliver Wendell Holmes, Jr., Supreme Court Justice, is in that 14th generation. E.M. Forster, English novelist. Horace Gray, he was another United States Supreme Court Justice. William Fishback, the 17th governor of Arkansas. Milton Bradley, founder (laughs) of the Milton Bradley Company. If you're into true crime... Dr. H.H. Holmes really takes us into the 15th great-grandson. H.H. Holmes, infamous sort of serial killer. Not sort of. (laughs) Definitely (laughs) serial killer. It gets more fun. You ready for 15th? Eleanor Roosevelt. Oh, wow. Sir Winston Churchill. Francis Scott Key. Wow. John D. Rockefeller. Johnny Mercer. Admiral Richard Byrd, who explored the polar... Mm -hmm. Okay. Steve McQueen, Louis Auchincloss, John Kerry, hmm. uh-huh, Harry F. Byrd, Endicott Peabody, James Russell Lowell, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Oh, my God. Pretty exciting 15th generation. You ready for 16? Yeah. Tennessee Williams, Humphrey Bogart, hmm. Charles A. Pillsbury, who founded the Pillsbury Company. Princess Diana is John of Gaunt's 16th great-granddaughter. Franklin D. Roosevelt in the 16s. General George S. Patton. William Howard Taft. Juliet Gordon Lowe. Girl Scout founder. Yep. Anthony West, novelist and writer for The New Yorker, 16th great-grandson. Liz Claiborne, 16th great-granddaughter. Randolph Scott, movie actor. Alan Shepard, Mercury and Apollo astronaut, Mm -hmm. 16th great-grandson, Orson Welles, Upton Sinclair, Buckminster Fuller, Hmm. Dick Clark, Alan Turing, yeah, World War II codebreaker, Charles Dana Gibson, the artist who makes the Gibson girl is John of Gaunt's 16th great-grand, do you see where, like, my juices are just up? All right, let's see, T.S. Eliot. Let's move to the 17th generation now. Prince William, Prince Harry, Queen Elizabeth II was his 17th great-granddaughter. Harper Lee, 17th great-granddaughter. Jimmy Carter, (laughs) Nelson Rockefeller, Winthrop Rockefeller, Camilla Parker Bowles is his 17th great-granddaughter. Fascinating. Raquel Welch, Herbert Hoover, Frank Lloyd Wright, Norman Rockwell, Howard Dean... Guy Ritchie, 
Alan Ladd, George Hamilton, Benedict Cumberbach, hmm. Tilda Swinton, oh, William wow. H. Macy, Cokie Roberts, Bill Weld, George Herbert, Lee Marvin. They should have a reunion. I mean, it is amazing, right? And these are just the famous ones. I mean, there, there are untold numbers of people yeah. who... Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. just reading out highlights. Of, yeah. Whoa. Okay. Let's move into 18th generation now. So remember, 16th was Princess Diana. 17th was Camilla. Here comes the 18th great-grandson of John of Gaunt, King Charles III. So he, his first wife, and his second wife are all descendants Correct. of John of Gaunt. Absolutely. Okay, so in the 18th generation, I'm only going to go to 20. So let's we're going to do just some quick hits here. Well, that should get us to present day, I would think. It, it gets us pretty close. So King Charles III, 18th great-grandson. Catherine Middleton, 18th great-granddaughter. That's so weird. Elizabeth Montgomery. Oh, sure. Bewitched. Yeah. Keir Sedgwick. Mm-hmm. Sandra Day O'Connor. Christopher Reeve. Ted Danson. Thomas Hunt Morgan, who was a Nobel Prize winner. Carrie Russell. Mm-hmm. Here's where it gets weirder. Sarah Ferguson, mm-hmm. 18th great-granddaughter. Hugh Grant. Mm-hmm. My very, very favorite, Mary Chapin Carpenter. Isn't that amazing? Do you think she knows? I don't know. Edward Norton. Wow. Kit Harrington. Cara Delevingne. Yeah. James Taylor. Wow. Anna Ferris. <laughs> Ray Fiennes. Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Mm-mm. Margot Kidder. Anne Hesch. Hal Holbrook. Angela Y. Davis. That's 18th. Holy cats. That's like a who's who of trashy divorces. Mm -hmm. Everybody goes back to John of Gaunt. Let's go ahead and get into 19th and 20th here just to, whoo, in this trashy ride out. Round us out, yeah. 19th great-grandson. Let's begin with the 19s. Bill Belichick, Ann Baxter, the movie actress. Kate Upton, Paget Brewster, Sally Ride, Ed Helms, I know. Carly Fiorina, Bob Taft. John Cena, Gretchen Maul, Billy Eilish. Huh. Uh-huh. That ends 19. Welcome to 20th uh, great generation. Y'all aren't even ready. Ellen DeGeneres, hmm. Boris Johnson. Wow. And Mickey Rourke. Huh. Isn't that remarkable? Like, if you pull up everybody John of Gaunt is related to, it is going to make your head spin father of Europe. I love that story. I see why they call him that, yeah. That is the trashy royal tale of John of Gaunt. And that's only to the, like, 20th generation limit. Uh, Wowza. John of Gaunt. I think all of his trashy crowns are in his descendants (laughs) through the ages. We are going to be coming back to talk about a few more of those descendants and family members in the next episode y'all there's just so many spider webs and so much trash i love it i hope you enjoyed the trashy royals ride of john of gaunt I that enjoyed guy that. yeah thank you everybody for tuning in to this episode of trashy royals we appreciate you being here and your listening and your kind ratings and reviews and all the fun feedback until we meet again next thursday Straighten up those crowns, friends. I'm going to say keep your eye on the crown, Mm -hmm. right? Keep your eye on that crown. Keep your eye on the throne. We're still working it out. Season one, we don't know what we're doing. Like most of the rulers we're going to be talking about. Absolutely. (laughs) Anyway, big love, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in. Can't wait to see you next Thursday. Bye. Bye.